Metaphysics deconstructs questions about what it is for something to exist and what types of reality exist. Metaphysics seeks to answer in a conceptual and fully general manner two questions. What is there? What is it like? Topics of metaphysical investigation include existence, objects and their properties, space and time, cause and effect and possibility. Metaphysics is considered one of the four main branches of philosophy alongside epistemology, logic, and ethics. It includes inquiries about the essence of consciousness and the association between mind and matter. The word metaphysics comes to us from two Greek words that literally mean after or behind or among the study of the natural. The study of metaphysical stuff is conducted using deduction from which is known as a priori or P-R-I-O-R-I. A priori knowledge is that which is independent from experience. For example, stuff like mathematics or reason. Like foundational mathematics, which is considered a particular case of metaphysics applied to the existence of numbers, it tries to give a coherent account of the design of the world capable of explaining our day-to-day and scientific perceptions of the world and that it is free from denials. In mathematics, there are many ways to define numbers. Similarly, in metaphysics, there are many ways to show objects, properties, concepts, and other entities appropriated to make up the world. There are two broad stances about the world studied by metaphysics. According to metaphysical realism, the objects studied by metaphysics exist independently of any observer, so that the subject is the most fundamental of all sciences. On the other hand, metaphysical anti-realism assumes that the objects studied by metaphysics exist inside the mind of an observer. Hence, the subject becomes a form of introspection and conceptual analysis. This position is of more recent origin. Some philosophers, notably Kant, Immanuel Kant, discuss both worlds and what can be inferred about each one. Some, such as the logical positives and many scientists, reject metaphysical realism as meaningless and unverifiable. Others think that this criticism applies to any type of wisdom, including rigid science, that claims to represent anything other than the contents of the human perception. Thus, the world of perception is the objective world in some sense. Metaphysics itself usually assumes that some stance has been taken on these questions and that it may proceed independently of choice. The question of which perspective to take thus belongs instead to another branch of philosophy called epistemology. So what are the central themes of metaphysics? There are ten that I can think of that I'm going to talk about. One is ontology, which is essentially being. Two is identity, change. Three, space and time. Four, causality. Five, necessity and possibility. Six, metaphysical cosmology. Seven, mind and matter. Eight, 
determinism and free will, nine, number, and ten, applied metaphysics. I'll dive into some of those themes in a bit, but before I do, I want to connect two dots. One dot is the link to science, and the other dot is the link to theology. Scientific questions in Western Europe used to be addressed as part of what is known as natural philosophy. Natural philosophy was the philosophical study of nature and the physical universe that was dominant before the development of modern European science. This new or modern European science was more mechanical in its worldview, more integrated with mathematics, and it was reasonably assumed more reliable and open as its knowledge was based on a newly defined thing called scientific method. This scientific method is an evidence-based and or observed method of acquiring knowledge that has characterized the development of science since at least the 17th century. It's been the dominant method of scientific inquiry in the world today thanks to European global expansion and projection of that culture on the world at large over the previous 300 or so years. Here something starts with a question or an observation. Then one conducts research on a topic. After that, you come up with a hypothesis. Once that's been taken care of, a good scientist then tests with experiments before they look at and analyze the data. Once all this has been done, you, the good scientist, reports conclusions. Other scientists then take apart your conclusions with questions and observations of their own, so the cycle starts all over again. That's the rough guide to the scientific method. So what are these scientists observing exactly? Well, they observe what we call nature, or the natural world even if elements of that natural world has been manipulated by other natural elements. So you see, in my opinion, in my opinion, humans are part of the natural world. Humans are natural creatures. We are in this universe, are we not? All of our so-called cool technology is simply a manipulation of nature to create other natural things, be that this podcast, nuclear bombs, Google, or rockets to go to space. So, so you see, to me, science is an observation of the natural world and a manipulation of nature by other naturally occurring creatures like us humans. And we are not the only ones who manipulate nature, by the way. Birds build nests, bees make honey, humans build cars. Theology is the organized study of the essence of the divine and more extensively of spiritual belief. It is taught as, as an academic discipline, typically in universities and seminaries. Theologians 
use diverse forms of investigation and debate, spirituality, philosophy, culture, historical history, among other topics, to help understand, explain, test, critique, defend, or promote any number of their religious topics. The study of theology may help a theologian more profoundly comprehend their own religious tradition, another religious tradition, or it may enable them to explore the essence of the divinity of God without relation to any explicit tradition. Theology may be used to propagate, to reform, or explain a religious tradition, or it may be used to compare, challenge, or oppose a spiritual practice or worldview. Theology might also help a theologian address current concerns or needs through a religious tradition or explore ways to decipher the world or universe. As I've indicated in prior episodes, to me, as an agnostic, not an atheist, all religions are fine with me. Science, maths, and atheism are also, in my worldview, our religions, but without the fun holidays, great food, and crazy wars. Religion is more fun, while science and atheism are kind of less fun. Now, metaphysics is a branch of neither of these, because it is a philosophy. However, metaphysicians ask questions in the realm of the God-worshippers, but accomplish it in the tongue of the mathematician-loving scientific atheist. Physics nerds, thus, to me, make this even more interesting because the physics of metaphysics is the most intriguing part of it all. So, anyhow, let's dive in to the various components, starting with ontology or being. Ontology is the branch of philosophy that examines notions such as existence, being, becoming, and reality. It includes how entities are grouped into primary classifications and which of these entities exist at the most primal level. Commonly proposed categories include things like substances, properties, relations, states of affairs, and events. These categories are characterized by fundamental concepts like particularity and universality, abstractness and correctness, or possibility and necessity. Disagreements within ontology are often about whether entities belonging to a specific category exist, and if so, how they are related to other entities. So what are substances? Substances are ontologically independent particulars. They can exist all by themselves, assume objects are constituted by a substance and properties borne by the substance, but are distinct from it. In this role, a substance can be referred to as a subterranean or a thing in itself. Another thing, property. It is an attribute of an object. A red object is said to have the property of redness. The property may be deemed a form of object in its own right, containing other properties too. Relations are ways in which things, the relator, stand towards each other. Relations are in many ways similar to properties in that both characterize the things they apply to. Properties are sometimes treated as a special case of relations involving only one relator. Another thing, the state of affairs, also known as a situation, is a way the actual world must be in order to make some given proposition about the actual world true. 
In other words, a state of affairs is a truth maker, whereas a proposition is a truth bearer, whereas a state of affairs situations either obtain or fail to obtain propositions that are either true or false. Confusing, I know, just bear with me. And finally, events. Events are objects in time or instant instances of properties in objects. On some views, only changes in some form of acquiring or losing a property can constitute events, like the lawns becoming dry is an event. If you're still with me, maybe you're crazy. If not, good. Let's move on to the next thing. Identity and change. Metaphysicians investigating identity are tasked with the question of what exactly it means for something to be identical to itself or more controversially to something else. Issues of identity arise in the context of time. What does it mean for something to be itself across two moments in time? How do we account for this? Another question of identity arises when we ask what our criteria ought to be for determining identity and how the reality of identity interfaces with linguistic expressions. And then we have space and time. Objects appear to us in space and in time, while abstract entities such as classes, properties, and relations do not. How do space and time serve this function as a ground for objects? Are space and time entities in themselves of some form? Must they exist prior to objects? How exactly can they be defined? How is time related to change? Must there always be something changing for time to exist? Those are fascinating questions. Here's the next one. Causality. Causality is influence by which one event, process, state, or subject, a cause, contributes to the production of another event, process, state, or object, an effect, where the cause is pretty responsible for the effect, and the effect is partly dependent on cause. So causality is an abstraction that indicates how the world progresses. You can think of this as a butterfly effect of sorts. And then there's necessity and possibility. Metaphysicians investigate questions about the ways the world could have been. That's the possibility. What about metaphysical cosmology? Well, metaphysical cosmology is the branch of metaphysics that deals with the world as the totality of all phenomena in space and time. Cosmology, in this instance, deals with the world as an ent entirely of all sensations in space and time. Historically, it is formed as a noteworthy part of the subject alongside ontology, though this role is more external in contemporary philosophy. It has a broad scope and in many cases was founded in religion. The ancient Greeks, for example, drew no distinction between this use and their model for the cosmos. In the current age, it addresses questions about the universe, which are beyond the scope of the physical sciences. It is distinguished from religious cosmology in that it approaches these questions using philosophical methods rather than theological ones. Cosmology deals specifically with the origin of the universe. Modern metaphysical cosmology tries to address questions such as what is the origin of the universe? What is its first cause? Is its existence necessary? What are the ultimate material components of the universe? 
what is the ultimate reason for the existence of the universe? Does the cosmos have a purpose? These are interesting questions, all right. You need to have a few beers and a couple of shots of the COVID vaccine to get to a concrete answer. Once you do, figure it out, let me know. And then there's mind and matter. Accounting for the existence of mind in a world largely composed of matter is a metaphysical problem which is so large and important as to have become a specialized subject of study in its own right. Imagine a flying pig. When you imagine it, is that real? Or does reality have to be physical matter, i.e. the actual flying pig? Then there's determinism and free will. Determinism is the philosophical proposition that every event, including human cognition, decision, and action, is casually determined by an unbroken chain of prior occurrences. It holds that nothing happens that has not already been determined. The principal consequences of the deterministic claim is that it poses a challenge to the existence of free will. And as I've stated in prior episodes, I have serious doubts about the existence of free will. The problem of free will as a concept is the problem of whether rational agents exercise control over their own actions and decisions. Addressing this problem requires an understanding of the relation between freedom and causation and determining whether the laws of nature and casually are casually deterministic. Then we come to numbers. There are different ways to set up the notion of number in metaphysical theories. Many of the debates around universals are applied to the study of numbers. They are of particular importance due to the status as a foundation for the philosophy of mathematics and for mathematics itself. Some theories hypothesize number as an absolute category in of itself. Others consider it a property of an entity called a group, compromising of other entities or a relation held between several groups of entities, such as the number four is a set of all sets of four things, for example. Moving on to applied metaphysics. Although metaphysics as a philosophical enterprise is highly hypothetical, it also has practical application in most other branches of philosophy, science, and now also information technology. Social components of philosophy, such as philosophy of morality, aesthetics, and religion, which in turn give rise to practical subjects such as ethics, ethics politics, law, and art, or require metaphysical footings of some sort, which may be regarded as extensions or applications of metaphysics. For example, they may propose the existence of basic entities such as value, beauty, God. Then they use these and make their own arguments about their consequences. So now we've looked at the basic foundations, not to say that they were not distracting and complex, but these are the basic foundations of metaphysics. A bit of history now. In the 16th century, Francis Bacon rejected scholastic metaphysics and argued strongly for what is now called empiricism, being seen later as the father of modern empirical science. In the 18th century, David Hume took a strong position arguing that all genuine knowledge involves either mathematics or matters of fact 
and that metaphysics, which goes beyond these, is worthless. He concludes in his Enquiry Concerning Human Understanding of 1748 with this statement, and I'm quoting, If we take in our hand any volume of divinity or school metaphysics, for instance, let us ask, does it contain any abstract reasoning concerning quantity or number? No. Does it contain any experimental reasoning concerning matter of fact and existence? No. Commit it then to the flames, for it can contain nothing but sophisticated illusions. End quote. 33 years after Hume's inquiry appeared, Immanuel Kant published his critique of pure reason. Although he followed Hume in rejecting much of previous metaphysics, he argued that there was still room for some synthetic knowledge concerning matters of fact yet unobtainable, independent of experience. These included fundamental structures of space, time, and causality. He also argued for the freedom of the will and existence of things in themselves, the ultimate but unknowable objects of experience. I personally think metaphysics is nothing more than a fancy term to describe something built into human brains or the entire cosmos's consciousness itself. Of course, everything I've just said is uh, metaphysical in itself. So there you go. There's something called cognitive archaeology. Cognitive archaeology, such as the analysis of cave paintings and other prehistoric art and customs, suggests that a form of perennial philosophy or shamanic metaphysics may stretch back to the birth of behavioral modernity all around the world. Similar beliefs are found in present-day Stone Age cultures, such as the Australian Aborigines. Perennial philosophies postulate the existence of a spirit or concept world alongside the day-to-day world that we live in and interactions between these worlds during dreaming and ritual or on special days or at special places, it has been argued that these perennial philosophical forms, the basis for Platoism, with Plato articulating rather than creating older widespread beliefs. Bronze Age cultures such as ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt along with similarly structured but chronologically later cultures such as the Mayans and Aztecs, developed belief systems based on mythology, gods, mind-body dualism, and a spirit world to explain causes and cosmology. These cultures appear to have been interested in astronomy and may have associated or identified the stars with some of these entities. In ancient Egypt, the ontological distinction between order, mart, and chaos is spread seems to have been important. Metaphysics in Chinese philosophy can be traced back to the earliest Chinese philosophical concepts from the Zhao dynasty, such as Taiyan, i.e. heaven, and yin and yang. The 4th century BCE saw a turn towards cosmology, with the rise of Taoism, and sees the natural world as dynamic and constantly changing processes which spontaneously arise from a single imminent metaphysical source or principle, i.e. Tao. In Greek philosophy, Socrates is known for his dialectical questioning approach to philosophy rather than a positive metaphysical doctrine. His pupil, Plato, is famous for his theory of forms, which he places in the mouth of Socrates in his dialogues. Platonic realism, also considered a form of idealism, 
is considered to be a solution to the problem of universals, i.e. what particular objects have in common is that they share a specific form which is universal to all others of their respective kind. Plato's pupil, who was Aristotle, wrote widely on almost every subject, including metaphysics. His solution to the problem of universals contrasts with Plato's. The Aristotelian theory of change and causality stretches to four causes, the material, formal, efficient, and final. The efficient causes corresponds to what is now known as the cause of simplicity. Samakya philosophy regards the universe as consisting of two realities, consciousness and matter. Jiva, a living being, is that state in which consciousness is bonded to matter in some form. This fusion state that Samakya scholars led to the emergence of buddhi or spiritual awareness and ego consciousness. The school describes the universe as one created by the Purusa Prakati entities, infused with various permutations and combinations of various elements, senses, feelings, activity, and mind. During imbalance, one or more constituents overwhelms the others, creating a form of bondage, particularly of the mind. The end of this imbalance bondage is called liberation or moksha. Of course, I am now talking about the Hindu traditions. It is also ancient Hindu tradition that the realization of the nature of self-identity is the principal object of what is now, back then, known as the Vedanta system. In the Upanishads, self-consciousness is not the first-person indexical self-awareness or the self-awareness which is self-referenced without identification and also not the self-consciousness which as a kind of desire is satisfied by another self-consciousness. If you're confused, you should be. It is self-realization, the realization of the self consisting of consciousness that leads to all else. The word self-consciousness in the Upanishads means the knowledge about the existence and nature of manusya, i.e. the human being. It means the consciousness of our own real being. The primary reality, self-consciousness, means self-knowledge. According to the Upanishads, the Atman or the Paratman is phenomenally unknowable. It is the object of realization. In Buddhist philosophy, there are various metaphysical traditions that have proposed different questions about the nature of reality based on the teachings of the Buddha in the early texts. The Buddha of the early text actually does not focus on metaphysical questions, but on ethical and spiritual training. And in some cases, he dismisses certain metaphysical questions as unhelpful and indeterminate, non-manifesting, almost like, why are you wasting your time on this? Thus, the development of systematic metaphysics arose after the Buddha's death with the rise of Abhidharma traditions. Major ideas in Muslim Sufi metaphysics have surrounded the concept of wada, meaning unity, or in Arabic, tawid, literally meaning the unity of existence or unity of being. The phrase has been translated pantasium or wujud, the existence of presence, here refers to Allah's wujud. On the other hand, it is believed by Sufis that God and his creation are entirely separate. 
So there you have it. Metaphysics, as old as a thought process as ancient Egypt, India, and Greece. The topics, very interesting. Though someone who went through hell to attain body or knowledge, i.e. the Buddha, really didn't spend too much time on it. I'm not sure if we should or should not, but the topic remains fascinating. And the fact that these questions have been asked for thousands of years and we are still debating them tells me, or my gut tells me, that we'll be asking them for a while to come. It is not critical that you go back and try and dig deep into every topic around metaphysics. But it is useful to go back and identify certain topics within metaphysics and dig deep in them and get to know them a little better. One could be space and time. Another one could be the concept of being. It is important, I think, to think about these topics, not because there's any realism to it or there's any science to it or there's any theology to it, but on the contrary, simply because science and theology don't answer these questions. Both science and theology try to plug holes that where they exist, but the truth is we don't know anything. We don't know what we don't know. And metaphysics helps us ask those questions to fill out some of those other holes that need filling out. You see, ultimately, we, I think, I think, we beings and all conscious entities, the entire universe being conscious, know the answer to everything. But for our biological survival, we block out a lot of that information. Metaphysics is one small step in the direction of knowing or trying to get that information that is inside of us already out. Metaphysics isn't the be-all and end-all, and you will find your own way forward, your own knowledge, your own information, your gut tells you the reality of existence. Give it time, give it thought, think about it. Thank you for your time in listening to this episode. Please like, subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast listening fix. Thank you again so very much for listening. Thank you 